Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We believe that every person has a unique message which can positively impact the world. Now, on this podcast, your host, veteran radio personality Jennifer Longworth, encourages entrepreneurs to share not only their expertise, but their stories and their hearts. You're going to love this show. You're going to hear real stories from real people on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. So let's go. I had never written a book proposal in my life. You have to write a couple of chapters, but the biggest part of it is what's your audience like? Who is going to be the audience for the book? Who? How can you sell the book? How are you going to promote the book? And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? This is Jennifer Longworth, and today's Thoughtful Entrepreneur is Cameron Huddleston, the author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. And she's an award-winning personal finance journalist. Welcome to the show, Cameron. Hi, thanks for having me on. Award-winning personal finance journalist. Well, that's something to be proud about. Tell me a little bit about that. Sounds so special, doesn't it? And and when I, I know award-winning, I want to be award-winning. Right. And when I think about how long I've been doing it, oh, it makes me feel old. <laughs> Seventeen years. Seventeen years I've been writing about personal finance. I've been a journalist even longer. So you started when you were three. I yes, exactly. When I was three. When I was three. I wish. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny that you bring that up because, you know, as you probably know, you talk to a lot of people about money and people often say people who aren't in the world of personal finance will say, well, I'm no good with money. And I wasn't any good with money, honestly, until I became a personal finance journalist. And I learned I learned along the way, um, you know, which is what most journalists do. You know, you if you are working for a daily newspaper, you learn about the police beat. You learn about the court system. You learn about city government and you learn it along the way. And so I got my start 17 years ago writing for Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine for their website when the website was in its infancy. And I, you know, I had no experience writing about personal finance and I learned about it. And I am so grateful Really, because learning about personal finance has helped my life dramatically. Like no one teaches you this, these things in school. My parents never talked about money. And I'm so glad that over the years I've had the opportunity to interview hundreds of personal finance experts and increase my own knowledge and take control of my own finances. So were you a writer then? Yes, I was, I was a journalist and had been since I graduated from college and, um, kind of stumbled into the world of personal finance reporting. It was, uh, we were heading into the 2001 recession and I had finished graduate school with a degree in economic journalism and no one was hiring. No one was hiring. I couldn't. (laughs) Was your undergrad in journalism? My undergrad was in journalism too. Yes. Okay. And then you went back for economic journalism or completed. Why economic journalism? After working in some general assignment type of reporting jobs, I got a job with Dow Jones Newswires doing business reporting. And I thought, you know what? I think I want to stick on this path. And because I had not taken a single business, economics, statistics course, nothing, nothing related to that (laughs) in undergrad because I was a journalism major. I thought, you know what? If I'm going to write about this, like seriously, I want to really understand the subject matter well. So American University had this program, a master's in journalism, and you could specialize. And I chose economics. 
in part because I had a great free tutor. My husband was getting his doctorate in economics at the time at Georgetown nice. University. Yeah, free tutor. And so I really wanted to write about the economy, but I couldn't get my job back at Dow Jones. They had a hiring freeze. Bloomberg had a hiring freeze. Fortunately, Kiplinger's was looking for someone to write for its website. And I thought, I'm going to give this a shot. And I did. And this was really, this was the summer of 2001, right before the September 11th attacks. And when I started with Kiplinger's, I mean, there were at least, you know, 10 to 15 personal finance magazines. After the September 11th attacks, that number shrank to three. Kiplinger's, Money oh. Magazine, and Smart Money. And then Smart Money dropped out. And then it was just money and Kiplinger's. And um, I was with Kiplinger's for 14 years. And now I write for Go Banking Rates, which is a really quickly growing personal finance website that's based in California. Wow, that's fun. So are you doing what you thought you'd be doing? You know, is this living the dream for you? <laughs> you know, I never, uh, like I said, you know, I was not um, a numbers journalist. And so I never expected to end up writing about money, numbers, personal finance. But I'm so glad that I did because it has really helped me personally. It's It's been really interesting. And it's kind of led me down this path now to writing a book about personal finance. Which is a whole nother world. Well, well before we get to the book, I want to know about your award. Okay. How are you award winning? <laughs> so when I was writing for Kiplinger's, I had a column called Kip Tips. And it was a daily column. I was writing it every single day, and it was focusing primarily on money-saving advice. And there is, there's an organization called Men Media Insider News, and they have a big awards program every year. And my boss, my editor, submitted my column for their best online column of the year, and I won. Wow. I won and I was totally shocked and you had to go up and make an acceptance speech. And <laughs> oh, wow. I, I had no idea I was going to even have to do that. And I got up there and I didn't even know what to say. And I was like, thank you. Thank you to my editor. This is awesome. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, that's all we need. Well, that's all the audience really wants anyway. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so now you've taken all this experience and have written a book, which is a whole nother business on its own for a get your day job, right? Now you're doing this book thing. And <laughs> How, what would the, what the process about? Okay. So first of all, why the book? Why the book? So I wrote the book largely because of my experience with my mother, not just because I'm a personal finance journalist, but because really I made a big mistake. I, even though I am a personal finance journalist, I didn't realize how important it was to talk to my mom about her finances. You know, and if you read anything about personal finance, all the advice is uh, about, you know, how to improve your own finances. Right. Maybe your kids. Maybe. Right. Talk to your kids maybe. so you can raise them to be response, financially responsible adults. But no one is out there telling you you should be talking to your parents. And I learned this the hard way because my mother developed Alzheimer's disease. And the only conversation I had had with her before before that happened was a conversation about long-term care insurance. I had moved uh, from Washington, D.C., where I was working with Kiplingers, to my home state of Kentucky. And I said to my mom, I was like, Mom, I think you need to look into long-term care insurance. She and my father had been divorced. She was on her own. And I thought, if she's going to need any sort of long-term care, there needs to be a way to pay for it. 
Right. Well, she couldn't get it. She had a pre-existing health condition and she was considered too much of a risk. And I thought instead of, you know, saying, okay, well, you couldn't get long-term care insurance. Let's come up with a plan for how you would pay for it, what sort of care you want. I just dropped the ball. Like I just, I didn't even think I should be talking to her about this more. And then what happens, she starts having memory issues. And at that point, the panic sets in. Oh my gosh, we've got to deal with this quickly. And so I said, let's let's get in, meet with an attorney, update your legal documents. And I'm so glad I did that because you cannot sign a will. You cannot sign a power of attorney document. You cannot sign a living will if you are no longer competent. And if I had waited any longer, her dementia would have progressed too far. She wouldn't have been able to sign those documents. She wouldn't have been able to name me and my sister, her power of attorney. I would not have been able to step in and start managing her finances without going through a very lengthy, expensive court proceeding to be named her conservator. And so these experiences made me realize that I needed to help other people have these conversations sooner rather than later. I was 35 when my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which is relatively young. She was relatively young. And I didn't have any friends who were going through this. Now that I'm older, my friends have been coming to me and they've been asking me questions. And so that that kind of set off the light bulb in my head saying, you know, I need to I need to write this book so that people don't have to go through this on their own like I did. So that's that's what prompted me to write it. Yeah. So many things you just mentioned. I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone needs to think about all these things, but that's not what this show's about. So, how can people, they need to get your book. They need to, uh, which isn't even out yet. Mom and dad, we need to talk. Yes. How to have con- essential conversations with your parents about your finances. And this book isn't quite out yet, but it sounds like everyone who has parents should read it, which, hey, guess what? That's everybody. It's everybody. And it comes out <laughs> June 25th, but you can order it now if you go to Amazon. After you said, I need to write this book, what did the process look like? And did you realize you were starting a new business? (laughs) It is a business. And I had no idea because I'm a writer. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a PR person. And I've had to put on all those hats. And it has been so time consuming, so exhausting. Hopefully there's going to be a wonderful payoff at the end. Um, I tell you what the process looks like. The first thing you do is you have this idea. And if you go the traditional route, which is getting an agent and getting a publisher, then yes, you start by finding an agent. I got an agent through a friend of mine who had already written a book. And then you write a book proposal, which is basically a marketing plan. I had never, (laughs) I had never, I had never written a book proposal in my life. You have to write a couple of chapters, but the biggest part of it is what's your audience like? Who is going to be the audience for the book? Who? How can you sell the book? How are you going to promote the book? And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And so came up with this 30-page proposal and my agent sent it out and we had a publisher who liked the idea. Then the agent negotiates with the publisher to figure out you know, how much you're going to get paid and and what percentage of the book sales you get because the publisher gets a big percentage (laughs) and your agent gets a little bit of the take too. And so Mm -hmm. in the end, you're left with a little bit of money after doing a lot of work. (laughs) And then once they accept it, you start writing. And so I spent uh, six months writing the book, 
turned it in and then everything started moving quickly from that point. Had an editor who edited it, worked with the production people, worked on a cover design. And now I'm in the whole process of trying to let people know that the book is out there and that they should buy yeah, it. Yeah, now you're into pre-sales. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, congratulations. Six months seems pretty fast for a book. I've talked to some other authors and their uh, timeline usually ends in years, no, not months. No, actually I had about nine months, eight or nine months from the time I signed my contract. But mm-hmm. I spent um, one month, I was out of the country. <laughs> traveling oh, to visit yeah. to visit my husband's family overseas and um so really i kind of had to cram everything in from last august until the end of december all my writing gotcha were you able to repurpose some of your content you'd already used no <laughs> no i've written on this topic but i was not able to repurpose it and i wanted everything to be original in the book. Now, fortunately, because I am a personal finance journalist, I had access to a lot of experts, financial planners, estate planning attorneys. Um, I interviewed financial psychologists. I interviewed a lot of real people who have had these talks with their parents, who have had trouble with having these talks with their parents. And so because of my work experience, that really made the book possible. So what are some of the topics you cover in your book? Well, one of the first things I cover is how to get over your fears of having this conversation. Yeah, it is kind of intimidating, depending on who your parents are. But you're the kid. Why are you coming to your parents going, hey, mom, dad, we can have a talk about your finances. (laughs) What? That's insulting. How dare you? You know. (laughs) Exactly. And so, you know, I, I start the book by saying that, The conversation probably seems very awkward to you. You're probably afraid to have it, but you're probably building it up in your head to be worse than it really is going to be. There's a very good chance that your parents will probably say, hey, you know what? I've been meaning to have this conversation with you. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yes, there will be parents who are going to resist the conversation no matter what. And so I do get into how to reach parents who are very reluctant to have the conversation, what to do if your parents refuse to talk. I talk about how to have really difficult conversations like long-term care. I explain all the legal documents that you need to make sure your parents have. I talk about how to talk to your parents about when it's time to move. I even I even finish up about why you should be talking to your kids. Return the favor, pay it back. Don't don't put your kids in the same position that you are now having to initiate this conversation with your parents. Start talking to them when they're young. So even as an adult with adult children turning around going, hey, you know, I just had this conversation about long-term care insurance with my parents. Let me have it with my children. And, you know, if you get long-term care insurance, it's important like, hey, guys, here's what I'm doing. You know, let's put this power of attorney in place. And, you know, at what, at what age do you need to start taking action on these things? You know, a lot of people think that, and surveys have shown this, that they don't need to be talking to their parents until they start having health issues, until they're already retired, until they're much older. But that is so wrong. Like if you wait till there is a health issue, then really it's too late. You want to have these conversations, ideally before your parents are even retired. Like if you can have it when they are in their 50s and they're healthy, then you can make a plan. 
You can talk about all those what if scenarios. What if this happens? What should we do? Mom and dad, you know, what is your retirement going to look like? You know, are you going to have enough money to live comfortably? Do you think that you're going to need help from me? And this is why it's so important because it could affect you financially. Are you counting on me to provide your long-term care? If you are, we need to discuss how that's even going to happen. And the sooner you do it, the more options you have. If you wait till there's a crisis, of course, emotions are running high. The last thing you want to have to talk about is your parents' finances, but you have to because you're in a situation where you have to step in and start helping out. And you might not even be able to if you haven't set the legal groundwork, you know, and you don't even know how to access your parents' you know, bank account to make sure their bills get paid while they're in the hospital recovering from a stroke. Yeah. I went to a financial planning seminar. Well, it was a very casual event, but she talked about who is going to pay for the long-term care. And basically there was three options. First, long-term care insurance. You've planned ahead. You know about this. You've gone with the the insurance. Number two, assets. <laughs> You've planned ahead and you know you have the money in the bank. And number three was your children. So you touched on that. It's like, oh yeah, right. So <laughs> if you don't want to burden your kids, like a lot of people, I don't want to be a burden to my children. Okay, then save the money. <laughs> that is what's going to keep you from being a burden to your children, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, but the thing is, most people do not have any sort of long-term care plan. They don't have long-term care insurance. They don't know how to pay for it. Now, there is one other way that she did not mention, and that is Medicaid. Well, I mentioned that when she didn't mention it. I was like, what about Medicaid? And she was like, well, kind of. <laughs> like, all right. And I, and I do explain how Medicaid works in my book. And it's not, obviously, you have to have very limited financial resources to qualify. But mm -hmm. I mean, for a lot of people, that's what the situation is going to be like. You're going to blow through any savings you have, you know, sell the house, you know, whatever you have to do to pay for that care or move in with your kids and let them take care of you. Yeah, because they were saying the average is about $5,000 a month Yes, for long-term care. And that was a personal care facility. That wasn't even the more expensive stuff. Yes, yes. So that is right for like assisted living or like a home health mm -hmm. aid to help you. Nursing home care, we're talking eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year. I don't think people realize that either, how much it really is like, oh, well, you know, it's probably just this or that, not not that much money. Well, yeah, well, you're talking about $5,000 a month. You're talking about $10,000 a month, depending on the level of care. That's not peanuts, folks. You got to plan ahead for this stuff. Right. And I think also what people don't realize is if you are the caregiver, how much of your time that is going to take. It is honestly, oh, yeah. it is a full-time job. And so if your parents are counting on you, you need to know this sooner rather than later because you might have to make some adjustments to your life now mm -hmm. to be prepared for those situations that might occur. And I know people think, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Well, let me tell you, the chances are pretty high that you will, at least one of your parents will need long-term care. Like we're talking really high, yeah. like, like more than half of adults who reach the age 65 are going to need some sort of long-term care. Is there an average number of how long long-term care lives? 
The average is three years, but women typically need it longer because they tend to live longer. Um, and I can tell you in my mom's assisted living facility, most of the residents there are women. Yep. A lot, a lot more women than men. Um, and being a caregiver is, is such a hard job. And if you have, a, if you're a man and your mom is all alone, I mean, you, you need to realize that if you're going to be her caregiver, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be a comfortable situation for you. And, you know, switch the roles too. If you're a woman and you have to take care of your dad and you're going to have to, you know, bathe your dad and help him with everything because that's what, that's what the reality is. You know, it right. can get to the point where you are helping your parents with every little aspect of life. Yeah. Feeding, bathing, clothing. All of everything. It. Yeah. Everything. everything. Oh, everything. yeah. I, I've worked in the that industry in long-term care a few times. I'm like, I'm not even going to tell you what I had to do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I will say that I would not be comfortable doing some of those things with my parents. That would just be no. super awkward. So what advice do you have for the thoughtful entrepreneur who's listening? My advice is if you're going to go down the path of launching your own business, launching your own project, in my case, writing your own book, you need to be aware, I think as most people who are entrepreneurs are, that it's a huge time investment. And so it needs to be something that you are passionate about. If you're going to put that much time into something, you need to really care about it. You need to be on board 100% because if you're not, it's just so easy to throw in the towel and say, oh, forget this. This is not worth my time and effort. It's not worth the headache. It's not worth the stress. So make sure this is something that you are honestly, truly passionate about before you even go down that path. This book that we've been talking about, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. How do we get this book? So you can pre-order it on amazon.com and once it hits bookstores you'll find it in barnes and noble again you can get it on amazon um, right now barnes and noble is the one bookstore where i know it will be you can also go to wiley.com that's the publisher and you can get it there too okay so here's a question i didn't ask before but why did you choose to use a publisher instead of self-publishing well when you have a publisher they they get your book into the bookstores which is certainly helpful. I think part of it too is a credibility issue. I mean, if you self-publish, it is a real book, but when you have a publisher who is taking a chance on publishing that book, it says, you know, we think this book is good enough that we're going to publish it, which signals to the audience and to everyone else out there, this book is good enough for you to buy it and read it. Hopefully. And for those of us out there who go to a local bookstore that doesn't have it, because there are local bookstores out there, everyone needs to go to them, we just request it and hopefully they'll be able to get it for us. Is that how that works? They might certainly say, you know, I'd love it if you carry it. Another thing you can do is go to your local library, go to your local library's website and request that they get the book. Because most websites, most library websites make it easy to go online and request that they add a book to their collection. So do that and then you can get it for free. So how can people connect with you online, Cameron? The best way to connect with me online is to go to my website, which is CameronHuddleston.com. There's information about me, my book. I even have a special offer for people who pre-order the book. If you pre-order it, take a screenshot of your pre-order and email it to me. Then you can get a free conversation starter cheat sheet. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Best of luck with the book. And the, the official launch date is June 25th. Awesome. Well, good luck. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. If you are a thoughtful entrepreneur who would like to be a media celebrity and be on our show, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, please do us a favor. If you like the guest that was just interviewed, would you share this episode on social media? And in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill our mission to help create more media celebrities. Make sure to hit subscribe, binge listen to our previous episodes, and we'll send you the next episode automatically. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Revolution.